Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Club, where we're keeping it surreal and talking about all things odd, mysterious, and paranormal. This is show 22. Tonight, I'm skipping into a rabbit hole appropriate for the season, the mythos of Santa Claus and Krampus. I figured after the heavy show from last week, we needed a palate cleanser. I'm alone for this one, so you're stuck with just me for this show. It's candid with mature content and some adult language, so be advised. Before we dive in too deep, remember to hit that subscribe button and give this show a thumbs up. Your support is what helps me keep bringing you fun and freaky shows with colorful guests, interesting ideas, and amazing stories. You should also keep in mind that I've included some neato photos and video in the YouTube version, so if you're listening to this, remember to check out the video too. You can find it easiest by browsing the video gallery on my website. My channels are full of fun little goodies that'll make you go, hmm. And they can all be found on my website along with all of my social media, YouTube, and podcast links. TheRabbitHole.Club That's right, I said dot .club, C-L-U-B. The audio version of this show is also listed with all of the podcast distributors under Colleen's Rabbit Hole Club. C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S Rabbit Hole Club. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and many more. If you or someone you know would like to share a scare, a show idea, a personal experience, or anything else odd and unusual, you can call my hotline at 816-514-5084. Leave a message there or send an email to submit at therabbithole.club. And now, here's the show! Starting out tonight, let's take a look at this week's rabbit reel, perusing bizarre news around the world. As if these times couldn't possibly get any stranger, the Euphrates River is drying up for the first time in recorded history, and some say it's a biblical prophecy. What's stranger than that is what people are finding in the rock banks and riverbed. Ancient structures, winding stairways, and deep man-made caves are now plainly visible, but that's not all people are finding. One man discovered a hole where he says he recorded voices and chains rattling around.
The internet is ablaze with the zealous theorizing that these are the voices of bound and chained fallen angels who've been prophesized to be loosed upon the world, bringing about death, destruction, and the apocalypse. According to the Christian Bible, King James Version, Revelation 16.12 says, quote, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared." Unquote. The Jewish prophet Jeremiah also spoke about the river drying up and that the land would never be settled again, nor inhabited throughout the ages. Islam has its own prophecy about the Euphrates drying up, saying, quote, "...the hour will not come to pass before the river Euphrates dries up to unveil the mountain of gold, for which people will fight." Unquote. Knowing what I know about editing, the angels rattling their chains audio is most likely bunk, but the discovery of these structures could be super interesting. I also find it completely weird that all three major religions hold big prophecies about this event. There's just so much we don't know, and the more I learn, the more I know how much I don't know. In lighter, more inspirational news, Ohio trucker Brian Miller, 41, was dead on the table for 45 minutes after suffering a Widowmaker heart attack, but suddenly regained a normal sinus rhythm, fully alive, laughing, talking, and completely okay. To clarify, his brain was without oxygen for 45 minutes. They performed hard, strong, fast CPR, shocking him multiple times with no response. He was pronounced dead, then, after 45 minutes, came back. I wonder if he can claim life insurance on that. He said while he was gone, he walked down a flower-lined path into a white light where he met his stepmother, who was glowing with happiness. After spending some time talking with her, she grabbed his arm and told him he wasn't done and that he needed to go back. Mr. Miller returned to his body with no brain damage, fully conscious, laughing, talking, and with a new view on life. He said, quote, there is an afterlife and people need to believe in it big time, unquote. In UFO news, or UAPs to be new verbiage correct, a giant triangle spacecraft has been filmed over the last year flying around the sun. According to ufologist Scott Waring, he's been monitoring the anomaly for several months through NASA's own HelioViewer system, and the craft has been seen all over the cameras, which rules out a glitch on the camera. By Waring's best estimation, the craft is about the size of our moon and appears to be literally skimming the surface of the sun while remaining evidently cool to the thermal cameras. Waring says he's reached out to NASA several times about this phenomenon but hasn't gotten any response. You can go check it out and see the sun for yourself in real time on helioviewer.org. That's H-E-L-I-O-V-I-E-W-E-R dot O-R-G. Next up, and in world geology, the largest surface volcano in the world. Hawaii's Mount Mauna Lao has erupted on the big island for the first time in 40 years, causing ashfall alerts and dozens of earthquakes in its wake. So far, lava flow hasn't threatened the downhill communities, but the authorities have warned residents to stay vigilant. Sounds like Chuchupele is waking up in a bad mood. 
That's not all the weirdness in the world this week, but that's all we have time for in this episode. Here's a new thing for the show. We'll call it Colleen's Colloquy. It's just a bit of life's wisdom that's helped me along the way, and I'm passing it on to you in hopes that you might find it helpful too. Feel welcome to comment, or you can share your own with me. Here goes. The only thing wrong with being wrong is not admitting you're wrong. If you don't admit it, you can't fix it. On the flip side, the bitch about being right is there's nothing you can do to change it. Take that and chew upon it. And now, down the rabbit hole we go. This week, I thought we'd splurge on a little holiday magic. Tis the season, you know. So let's talk about Santa Claus and his counterpart, Krampus. Those are some pretty magical guys, and I think you'll be surprised when you find out more about them. If you have anyone around you who still holds the magic in their heart, put your earbuds in. We're going to tread territory they won't appreciate. Santa Claus is steeped in centuries-old traditions from all over the world. In modern times, he's a jolly fat man in a red suit with fur trim who climbs into his sleigh pulled by magical flying reindeer to deliver presents to good boys and girls. But where did he really come from? The legend of Santa Claus originated in Turkey hundreds of years ago, and the guy they were talking about was old Saint Nicholas. He was a very kind man who lived about 280 AD, the Bishop of Myrna, and had a ton of wonderful legends surrounding him. It was said he was born as an only child to wealthy Christian parents, but gave away all of his inherited wealth so he could travel around and help the less fortunate. He was a selfless man who dedicated everything he had to healing the sick, educating the unlearned masses, and helping the poor to improve their lot but his story grew to include many supernatural feats too. One of the most famous stories about Saint Nick was when he gave his wealth away. Legend has it that there were three sisters whose destitute father was going to sell them into prostitution until Saint Nicholas stepped in. On three separate occasions, he rode by their house in the middle of the night, slung a bag of gold through their window, and provided the sisters with a dowry so they could go on to marry into a free life. It was on the third run that the father caught Saint Nick doing this and word spread far and wide. He was the guy that went down in history as saving the lives of ill-fated sailors who were being pummeled to death by a storm at sea. I found two different stories here. One tale says that he was on the boat and his prayer offered peace and comfort to the sailors until the storm passed. The other takes place after his death and tells of terrified sailors who prayed to Saint Nick. His spirit appeared to them and stopped a deadly storm that was bearing down. These deeds rendered him the patron saint of children, sailors, and wolves, although the Catholics consider him the patron saint of bakers and pawnbrokers, and some even call him the patron saint of thieves. Although I couldn't find out why he was the protector of bakers, pawnbrokers, thieves, and wolves, he was canonized by the Catholic Church in the 9th century and was considered to be a saint by many religions the world over as early as the 6th century. Even now, in some cultures and denominations, his death date of December 6th is celebrated and the day he was originally said to deliver gifts to good boys and girls. 
Originally, he came by boat with presents for good children and lumps of coal for bad children. The name Santa Claus was thought to evolve from the Dutch Sinterklaas, which literally means St. Nicholas, and first appeared in New York's Hudson River Valley around 1773. In the early 1800s, Washington Irving published a satirical piece where a chubby Dutch man in a red suit flew his wagon through the skies and dropped gifts down chimneys. From there, cartoonist Thomas Nast popularized the legend with a series of cartoons depicting a jolly fat man dressed in red who delivered presents and lived at the North Pole. In 1822, Clement Clark Moore wrote the famous Night Before Christmas poem for his three daughters, and that one poem filled in the blanks for all of Santa's other details, like the flying reindeer, coming down the chimney, etc. Marketing of this grand legacy began about 1820, and by 1840, newspapers were running full sections on Santa, and the seasonal tradition of mass gift-giving was born. Santa has always been a staple in our family tradition, and I remember exactly when the magic was shattered for me as a kid. I was in the second grade. Yes, really. My second grade teacher was a woman who lacked in warmth and compassion, but I got along with her okay. Until that one day. I don't recall what she was talking to the class about, but she started a personal story, then paused and said, Ah, you guys are old enough. None of you still believe in Santa, and if you do, it's high time you grew up. I was devastated, and I was so pissed off, I think I still need to work on forgiveness for that woman. Looking back on it, she really had no right to talk to a bunch of eight-year-olds about Santa, unless she was going to play it safe and assume not everyone knew the truth. It was really pretty mean, selfish, and rather bitter of her. I went straight home, pulled my mom to the side so my younger brother and sister wouldn't hear, and talked to her about it. See, even an eight-year-old knows to have enough decorum to talk about the secrets of Santa in private. Mom was pretty perturbed when I told her my story, but she didn't miss a beat when she asked what I believed. Giving it some thought, I had to admit that Santa was probably my mom and dad. She hugged me, told me she was sorry my teacher was so thoughtless and boneheaded, then asked me to help her keep it secret from my younger siblings. I guess all of us have memories like this. It's usually the kids at school who spill the beans, but you have to find out somehow. If legend holds true, my teacher was a prime candidate for a visit from Santa's terrifying counterpart, Krampus. Ah, Krampus. I was in my 40s before I ever heard his name. Who is this Krampus guy anyway? There's a great little Christmas horror movie called Krampus that will really tickle your scary bone, but how does he fit into the season of giving? While Krampus is supposed to be Santa's evil counterpart, he actually has a much deeper story behind him. Krampus is said to be seven to nine feet tall, covered in thick hair with two horns twisting out of his head. He has bulbous eyes, long sharp teeth, a long twisting tail, and horrifying claws, which is what his name literally means in German, claw. His bottom half is that of a goat, complete with hooves, except some depictions have one leg of a goat with a hoof and one human leg with a foot. He's most feared for the sack of torture devices he carries on his back, and it's not just the bad kids who should be wary. Naughty adults won't escape his wrath either. 
He's a big scary guy who comes for people who misbehave, either beating them into submission or dragging them to hell and torturing them until they repent to his satisfaction. His legend comes generally from Austria and Germany, but he has strong ties to Norse mythology, being the son of Hale. He's also one of the caretakers of the underworld, and his terrifying tradition has been around for hundreds of years. Even now, it's celebrated yearly with Krampusnacht all over Europe, but primarily in Germany and Austria. It's a huge celebration where parades of people dress up as Krampus and run the streets, reminding everyone to behave or suffer the ire of Krampus. I'm super grateful my parents didn't know about this guy when I was growing up. It was enough to be threatened with getting lumps of coal for Christmas if I wasn't a good girl. I remember one year I actually did get a rock for Christmas. Mom warned me, but I had to learn the hard way. And I watched my attitude from then on, especially around Christmas. But Krampus? Oof, that guy would have given me nightmares year-round. That's my show for this week. Special thanks to my wonderful boyfriend and my amazing family for helping me get this project off the ground and rolling it to a good place. Next week, we're going full tilt down the rabbit hole into the roots of Christmas. It'll be interesting, educational, and probably a little edgy, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening, and keep it surreal.